Raphael, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing great, Dan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. I know you, you, you have your hands on a lot of stuff. You do wholesaling, flipping, coaching, own a real estate brokerage. Why don't you give folks a quick version of your bio and how you got involved in so many different interesting things? Uh, Dan, I got, uh, well, I got involved in real estate in 2009. Uh, before then, um, I had a different company. I launched a non-emergency medical transportation business, which is a wheelchair and a stretcher patient transport business, um, in, um, 2007. Um, and, uh, before then I was a fireman. So, um, I jumped into real estate investments in 2009 and, and started doing the, uh, you know, the, the typical, uh, you know, what can I do with some side cash that I have? Mm-hmm. Um, and came across a, a rehab because I used to do construction back in high school and, and I've always been active that way. Um, so I ended up putting some money into a fix and flip project. Um, I, I made it out with my life. Um, it, it's, it was one of those things that it was a more of a learning lesson than a profitable lesson, but, uh, I didn't lose on it. So that was a good thing. I almost broke even. Uh, and yeah. And then from that point forward, I mean, I started, uh, I came across wholesaling, which is my, uh, one of my favorite uh, strategies, honestly, for wealth generation. And then, uh, I still have that ongoing, uh, fix and flip business. Um, I'm a real estate broker now and I own a brokerage in Phoenix. So a lot of my agents do fix and flip real estate investments type of stuff. And, and it just kind of, it's, I, I, I was able to build this whole ecosystem, uh, of, uh, supporting, uh, companies. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Interesting. It's, it's what, what I find interesting is how, how many people start off in real estate or wholesaling or investing and it's it's like a side hustle, right? Or something they thought they would do on the side and then it blows up and it gets like bigger than everything else they were doing ever. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see that man, because, um, usually you come across, like I fell into it by accident. Honestly, I had, I was having a conversation with somebody and then I had, I think like 60 or $70,000 uh, that I wanted to allocate somewhere. And they're like, well, why don't you just buy a house and then flip it? Right. So it just the conversation kind of came to me and I started looking for properties. Uh, I came across this one dude's uh, emailing uh, campaign and he sold me my first. So he was a wholesaler. Uh, he actually co-wholesale that property. He wasn't even his. He co-wholesaled it and I bought it. So and then I look at the guy, the guy made I think that guy made eight thousand dollars on it. And then the actual wholesaler made another ten. So I paid 18K over. Right. Um, but it, um, I got the property and it just kind of came to me. And, and uh, after I was uh, looking at the settlement statements and just kind of looking at all the fees and whatnot, um, I didn't understand 99% percent of that. But later I found out those were assignment fees. So it just, you know, breaking into one thing is going to unravel something else, like the next step, really. Like that's how it kind of went for me. What? Yeah. How, how long did it take? To go from side hustle to main, you know, main, main money producer for you. So, um, well, I mean, now it's, it is, it's one of my backbone companies right now, but, uh, for the longest time, it's, it was just me doing it. So I, I didn't, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, you can actually automate this. You can actually build a wholesaling business uh, and, and run it like a business, you know, run it with KPIs and, and have systematic approach to it, a whole business model, have accountability for the team and all that. So to put it all together, it did take me a couple of years. Uh, it was more uh, along the lines of, uh, of that mindset. 
you know, I, I really had a, a fixed mindset about it when it came to, to wholesaling. Wholesaling in my head for the longest time, it was just like, uh, it's what you do uh, when you're a solopreneur, when you're self-employed, right? You're, right. Because I sold, I ended up selling, well, I started doing it on the side um, when I still had the other business. So, you know, I would come across deals here and there and whatnot. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, that, that habit just kind of formed. And after I sold my business, I was still doing it the same way until, uh, I, I became my own bottleneck. So it did take a couple of years, man, to, to, um, figure out how to plug people into it, really break it, break it down into a systematic process. Um, during that time too, I was also working on my, uh, on my, uh, second master's degree in, in business psychology. And that helped a lot just to get perspective on, on the whole business model and, and how to put it all together. So, I mean, it, it just, how did that, how did that help you? Um, well, it, it's one, it, it, you have a better understanding of how the whole business process works, right? It's people and systems. It's not always just people or not always just systems. You can have the best, you know, uh, operating system in the world, but if your people suck, it's not going to work and vice versa. Right. So it, it um, uh, when I was going through that, one of the things that just kind of became keen, it was, uh, you know, the fact that you have to have this, this collaboration, you have to have the synergy between the people and then the, the actual system that you have in place, right. And how do they operate and, and, and mesh together. Uh, so understanding that point, I started crafting, okay. Uh, hiring after behavioral, uh, strengths, as opposed to, to just, you know, anybody who had a pulse, bring him into the company and then create a role for that person. Um, so I, I broke down, I mean, the, uh, the whole process into six different steps and it became the business model for, for my wholesaling business. So now I run, uh, that, uh, the wholesale operation on 90 minute meetings a week. So, so it works well. Yeah. I, I like how you, you, you know, you recognize that, you know, the, the lone wholesaler out there is self-employed, you know, you don't have a business really. And a lot of real estate agents as well struggle with mm -hmm. that or, or don't even realize they're there so let's let's talk about the transition of actually hiring out building a team and making the transition from self-employed to business owner um it's progressive it's progressive i, I think you have to know enough about um every area just to be dangerous in it you don't have to become an expert mm. it's number one Right. You don't have to be the expert lead generator. You don't have to be the expert closer. You don't have to be the expert, um, you know, dispositions rep. Um, you don't you just kind of just got to have in, uh, enough knowledge about each one of those fields to the point where you're able to plug people into it. So um, if you want, I mean, I can give you like a breakdown of the actual blueprint is, um, but I break it down into six different steps. So and, and this this actually transfers well to traditional real estate. We have a similar model. My agents have a similar model um, to, uh, to the one I have in my wholesale business. So, the, you know, the step number one or stage number one is sourcing, right? You're always, you, know, you want to source the leads. You don't call it marketing. You don't call it anything else. You're not pre-qualifying, just sourcing. Basically, you're looking for people who raise their hand and they want to be somewhat of a candidate uh, for you to have a conversation with. You're just sourcing. For that, um, you can get cold callers, you know, you have, you know, pay-per-click campaigns, you have SMS campaigns, you have, you know, different, different avenues for, for outreach, right? Um, 
And then the next stage is converting. This is where you actually begin to pre-qualify. So what happens, just so you have a kind of like a picture of what my lead generation process looks like, it's we have sourcing, we have cold callers, and all they do is gauge for interest. Somebody raises their hand, they say yes, they click a button, and it sends them over to my lead manager. And that's the conversion process. When they're in that second stage, they go through a pre-qualification process. My lead manager is having a conversation with them. We're trying to figure out whether or not they're a good fit uh, for us to work with them and provide a solution based on on certain qualifiers. Uh, We qualify based on uh, condition, timeline, motivation, and then the price. Those four, three out of four, it's a prospect, right? So at that point, there's still leads. Uh, if they qualify, three out of four is a prospect, they move on, and then my lead manager sends them over to the next step, which is the acquisitions. That's where my acquisition reps live. And uh, they come in, they have a discovery conversation, they start to analyze the deal, really look at the numbers. Uh, but nothing, like nobody's ready to have a, a conversation before they even get to that point. And if you kind of transfer those first three steps over to, uh, to traditional sales, you're going to see the same thing. Right. We, uh, you know, as agents, we have to, you know, source the properties. We have to uh, convert uh, and make sure that, it, you know, the pre-qualification process is there before we even start spending time with these people and then taking them out to see properties out there, really spending time with, uh, with a lot of dead leads that are not going to go anywhere. Right. Uh, and then you go to the acquisitions, which is a listing appointment. Um, and then uh, the fourth stage is the uh, disposition. So now you have a contract in place. Uh, you got to move it, right? So you push it out to to your buyer's list on the wholesale side of things. Um, and uh, it, it just, you know, it makes sense to have this uh, this this process in place because now you know where to plug people into it. So even, even if you're a solopreneur, one thing I will say is like, even if you had a solopreneur, figure out where the stages of your process are, um, of your business, like what's, what's your method to it, right? Because um, it doesn't mean that... Um, you're going to plug, you know, 17 people into it, but it means that you're going to break it down in a way that you understand, you know, what phase of the, of the monetization of that lead, you know, you're in. Well, and you, you still have those stages. You just don't have the people to do them. So you have to do every single one of them. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, and, and at least knowing and recognizing what the stages are, then, then you can start measuring it. And that's the only way you're going to know to get better. And when you do, you know, bring on some smart people to, to help you, you know, that you can plug them in and have a little bit better definition of what you need from them. Yeah, absolutely. You capitalize on the talent. You capitalize on the talent that you bring. You let them do their thing because you're paying them for it. Um, and then you improve like as a whole. Um, there's only so many things that we're going to be able to look at, right? As, as business owners or as entrepreneurs, there's, we have this, this set of perspective, uh, or this set perspective of how the business looks and how it works. But when you bring somebody else in, uh, they're going to have a completely different behavioral, you know, uh, outlook on things. And, and they're going to be able to see the business in different things. Like for example, my director of operations, he is, he's an engineer. He's, he's a civil engineer. That's his career. He left civil engineering to come work in my company and he's able to catch like all little details and the intricacies that I miss uh, because I have that 50 foot view. Right. So it's important to to understand that as you're building the business and that's really how you get out of the hustle. Now, uh, most businesses out there um, in, in our space, I mean, I, I, I feel like they stop at the disposition. Once they get paid, they get that settlement statement, they get that wire into the bank account, they move on to the next deal. Right. Um, 
But I think that the last two steps in, in the process are the most important, which is step five is to measure. That's where you track the KPIs. You figure out where the leads came from. Uh, you figure out what your cost per lead is, uh, what cost per prospect, your average revenue per deal, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so you can come in and actually pinpoint where you can ramp it up to get more results, right? If you don't, if you don't track, uh, you, you don't know where your results are coming from. So um you compile all that data. Um, we track every single week. We have that 90-minute uh, meeting I'm telling you about. And we break it all down. Like, we'll go through the scorecard. We'll go through uh, the performance of each one of the employees. And, and, and I mean, at, at a management level. And, uh, uh, and really break it all down. See where we're at, deficiencies. Um, at that point, when you have it all laid out like that, it, it's hard to not be accountable for things. Now, the cool thing is, once you have all that information, you have that collaboration from the team. Uh, you go to step six, which is improve. You have improvement sessions. And okay, cool. What could we have done better on this particular deal? What could we have done better on that particular marketing campaign? Okay, what happened here that we left money on the table and how can we stop that next time? You know, sort of thing. So it's six six different stages. And, and I think it really creates a well-rounded approach um, to getting out of that hustle uh, uh, space into the business ownership space. Yeah, I think... I think that's an important concept. This this hustle porn idea has just been oversold yeah. by a lot of influencers. And yes, hard work is important. And yes, when you're starting up, you might have to have those sleepless nights, you know, when you're making the transition. And but it, it shouldn't last forever. You should figure out at some point how to systemize it, make a business out of it, have have these improvement sessions. Um, how how do you do the improvement? sessions and how often do you do them and what, what do they look like so the improvement sessions i sit down with my director of operations and uh and we'll just go we'll do an x-ray of the whole company so we'll do an x-ray of the whole company um we we have smaller improvement sessions on a week-to-week -week basis when we're looking at individual deals right uh, okay how did this deal uh went and we actually break it down like if that that one deal was one particular business. Okay, so this is what happened. Those were the KPIs for that deal. It came from a PPC campaign. We're spending $20,000 in PPC. So that brings our average revenue per deal to, you know, blank. And, and we're, we're, we're doing, we're fine tuning that, uh, that step process. So tomorrow we have a $50,000 budget. We know where to allocate it to get the most, you know, bottom line revenue. So that's, that's one way, right? At a, at a business uh, level, uh, we have um, improvement company improvement uh, meetings um, quarterly. So we'll come in and then we'll set up quarter benchmarks. And this is where we're at. This is what happened last, uh, last quarter. And one thing that we do that I like uh, implementing is the theme. So we'll pick a theme every quarter, um, meaning that, okay, the theme this quarter, uh, it's going to be consistency. Okay, so we'll figure out, you know, on where we're needing consistency and we'll stay consistent for that quarter. What happens is that psychologically we have around 90 days of, um, of you know, it takes about 90 days to build habits, right, at an individual level. And if you take that, you can, cr you can actually take those across your company and then create those habits within the company. So we, every quarter we're building a new habit. Uh, we're focusing on something that's going to create a theme for that quarter and then just improve in the company as a whole. So it's, that's part of the improvement process as well. And I think it's one of the biggest things really that helps because um, for example, we have um, we've had themes of uh, where the focus is bottom line revenue increase, right? Instead of increasing the number of deals, 
uh, we, you know, we're focusing on increasing the average revenue per deal. How do we do that? How do we drop overhead? You know? Um, so yeah, there's, there's multiple ways of uh, going about it. If, um, if, uh, yeah, I have, I, I do have a PDF. Uh, I can give you uh, your audience a link to if they want it. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's what? Uh, what is that link or what should it's, they use? Uh, go to reiwholesaling.com, um, and you you're gonna be able to download a PDF. And it's got the six steps, the breakdown, and kind of what to look for. Uh, you know, from a superficial standpoint, what to look for at each one of the stages. Um, so what do you look for in the sourcing stage? What do you look for in the uh, conversion, acquisition, dispositions, measuring the improvement phase as well? Uh, we yeah, have that's, that's awesome. Can you, can you say the link again? Just in case, yeah, in case people are listening. R-E-I-wholesaling.com. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like you've got a really scientific process down of, of how to systemize, measure, and improve. If and I know you own a brokerage. We've got a lot of real estate listeners on this show. If, if there's a solo agent out there, you know, doing five, 10, 15 million in sales, which solo agents can do, you know, even more, some of them, uh, what's the first step they need to take to start making the transition from self-employed to business owner? Document, document. At the end of the day, like there's going to be frameworks, right? And, and, uh, and, you know, you go to coaching for frameworks, you go to coaching for the blueprint of things. At the end of the day, though, um, every single one of the businesses out there is different in its own way. So whatever you're doing, document everything. If you're not documenting, um, you're, you're missing out on the biggest opportunity uh, for freedom, which is going to be your own way of, of um, creating SOPs. In the fire department, we used to call them SOPs, standard operating procedures. Um, of uh, and, and, and training people to come in. You can do a lot of damage as a solo agent if you bring in a VA, for example, uh, a virtual assistant, right? Because they're gonna be able to handle a lot of stuff that you don't wanna handle, right? Now bring somebody else in who can do transaction coordination. Now you have you know, a small team, but you're not bottlenecking yourself with two or three deals a month because you had gotta do all that paperwork. You can focus on what you're doing better, right? But you can't get to that point unless you have SOPs in place, unless you have a, a training format for people to come in and then follow after you. So it's one of the things that I've been doing for years, years. Uh, it's just documenting the way that I do um, anything, right? The way that I, you know, okay, this is how we fill out a purchase agreement. Uh, this is how we do a purchase contract. This is how we open escrow. This is how you collect EMD. This is, you know, what happens on the first 10 days of the inspection period. Um, and then, the, the fastest way to do that too is, is just click record on a screen share. Like that, uh, that right there, man, has been, I picked that up years ago. I can't remember, I, I, I wish I could. I can't remember who put it out there and then I just made a note of it and then I, uh, I started doing it. But that little action has, uh, has paid itself back, I mean, a million fold. Um, there's programs out there that are super cheap. They're very reliable, like Loom. Loom.com is one of them. Um, take that. It's like 10 bucks a month or something, but it, it'll uh, screen record uh, whatever you're doing on your computer. You can talk over it. So you can explain literally what your fingers are doing. Right. It's just that simple. I mean, to create. Now, now you're building yeah. repeatable processes. So when you bring on that first hire, you've got shit to show them, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you they, can, don't, you they, can... don't, they don't just have to figure it out. Um, yeah. You can delegate chaos or you can delegate systems, right? You can scale chaos, or you can scale systems. One of the, you know, 
simple as that. But you're not going to get out of the hustle if, uh, if you have to train your people over. You know, what happens if they leave? Say that you have somebody that's with you six months and you spent three months training that person. Then they said, you know what, this is the, the, the hell with this. It's not for me. And they leave. Now you got to start all over again. However, if you have a database of information, of SOPs, stuff that you're doing, this is the way that I do things. Uh, give them the link. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really becomes uh, as simple as that. And then you, you have that. Um, you, you come into it from a supportive standpoint, as opposed to you know, having to spend the eight hours a day training that person. Yeah, I, th I think this is a great idea to make that hiring process smoother. I, uh, you know, I also heard you say, you know, VAs, if you don't, if you want to start without spending a lot, I, I would argue that you're better off hiring too soon than too late. And, you know, if you're an agent, if you're a wholesaler, you know, if you hire too soon, guess what? You have more time to systemize. You've got more time to train them up. Maybe it's less bottom line for a month, two, three, even four, you know, but, but, but who cares? You, you will scale it faster and, and probably smarter if, if you're making the, the hires on the early side, right? Cause if you wait too long, that's, that's just dangerous. Now you're, you're busy. You need someone you lower your standards. You don't have time to. to yeah, you to, definitely got to hire. To train them. You got to hire before you're bottlenecked. When you're bottlenecked, you're just giving them, you know, shit to handle. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, it really comes down to to having, you know, the the awareness, right? Okay, I'm gonna need help. Things are moving fast. Things are moving at the, and at this pace. In two months, I'm not gonna have any time at all for myself for anything. Um, you know, thinking from it, you know, from, from that standpoint, or just go out there and get coaching, get a blueprint. Right. But it's at the end of the day, like it really comes down to having that, uh, those habits, you know, building up those habits as you start going, rolling on your business, not because you have a business that's not producing million, you know, millions. It doesn't mean that you can't start to be systematic about the way you do things. I'm big on, on, uh, on lifestyle entrepreneurship. I'm big on, on my time. I'll protect my time. I think more than I protect my money. Um, it, it's just because it, you know, it's that valuable you know so what do i do about it i create systems and i, I delegate those systems and yeah the team is going to come in and they're going to help you fine-tune that stuff because they're in it they're going to see things from a different perspective they're going to say oh um here i found this little thing that we're missing we don't have it on the sop okay go ahead and add it and now you have a more robust training process um that's just more complete right but you're using in leveraging the people that you already have you know as you're bringing them in um, I mean, it really, it really comes down to that. And it takes a while, man. I see it, uh, you know, from a lot of students, they, they, they just want to, they come into, um, you know, coaching with the mentality that they're going to be able to hire right out of the gate and not do the trench work. Um, and, and just kind of, you know, hit the easiest, easy streak real quick without any experience. And, and that's a fallacy. Like a, that, you have to get experience. You have to get real wor world experience to operate a real world business. Um, you can't run it off of just theory. Like it's not going to happen. When did you start the real estate brokerage? Cause you, you know, you built up this wholesaling flipping business to um, what, yeah. What led you to build, to start the brokerage? Um, it just, I was doing a lot of marketing and I was getting a, a lot of uh, uh, leads for listings. Right. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I wanted to get paid on them. Right. So I, I went and got my license. I'm like, all right, cool. I think I can monetize with this. I'm going to go get my license. And, uh, and I started doing listings. So we would market for distressed properties 
Um, if the the seller, I mean, if there, there wasn't a problem there with the seller that we could help them out with, they would go retail, right? And I was pushing these leads to other agents and whatnot. It just made sense. I'm going to go get my license, whatever I can, you know, wholesale. I'll just go ahead and then I'll list it. And I did that. I had a transaction coordinator, so it wasn't taking up all my time, right? And, and uh, I wasn't bottlenecking myself. Um, after a while, I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't think I want to do a lot of listings anymore. Um, I'm just going to get my broker's license. And I transferred, uh, you know, some of those models that I already had built out for my wholesale business into the brokerage. And it's, it's again, it's processes, it's frameworks, right? Um, the same way that I was going through a wholesale uh, listing, I just had to pivot a couple of things on the technical side of things uh, and then transfer that framework to lead generation in the tr traditional space, lead generation, license compliance and all that stuff. Right. But the framework is similar. So it just kind of, you know, right now my wholesale business feeds um, the real estate brokerage, the real estate brokerage feeds the wholesale business because a lot of times we can't list. Oh, guess what? I'll buy it from you too. So it just like, it created this, this whole ecosystem. Um, again, between the, the, the three companies. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I feel like wholesalers generate a ton of leads and I don't know the ratio, but probably for every one wholesale deal you get, you know, you're going to end up with five, <laughs> 10 leads that could yeah. be listing leads, right? Yeah. I mean, so, that's not far-fetched. It, it's not yeah. far-fetched at all. You get, you have you know, five, 10 listing leads that are going to be able to follow up with and then just create that, that uh, relationship, right? So now what we do is we'll generate those leads on the, on the uh, wholesale side. If it's not something that we can work, we'll transfer them over to the uh, real estate side and have agents work on those uh, round robin. And then, you know, they knock it out. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's at the end of the day, like it's, it's um, not being in the hustle. Hustle is a season, man. It's not a business mm. strategy. It's one thing to understand. It's a season. It's going to get you off the ground. We need that tenacity. We need that grit. We need that fire in the belly to come in and then just, you know, help us take down doors and, and kick some ass. Uh, but it's not a sustainable. You can't, you can't go like that for 10, 15 years. That's why you see people be very successful. And then they just fizzle out. People get tired. Oh, yeah. People get frustrated. I, I like that. But I like that saying there, hustle's a season, not a business. <laughs> Absolutely. hundred percent. Um, and, and understanding that it's, it's going to push you to create a foundation faster. It's going to push you to, okay, cool. How can I do this right now, but also build on automating it? How can I automate delegate so I can elevate my, my lifestyle? Um, and, and simple questions like that are going to, I mean, they're going to make a big dent in, in the way that you do decisions. What, uh, what's the growth been like at the brokerage? You know, I, I know it's just been a few years, but how, um, we have, we the have growth a, of that. We have a small team. I don't take on a lot of agents yeah. um, and I don't take on because it's time consuming. Again, the whole lifestyle, um, entrepreneur, you know, thing. Um, and I'm the DB, I'm the designated broker. We have transaction coordinators and whatnot, but, uh, but we have six right now we're at 16 agents. They all do fix and flip. They all do wholesaling. They all do everything. Right. So there's a lot of production happening within that small amount of, uh, uh, agents. Um, and what I do is, um, at this stage, I come in almost, uh, uh from a, a consultant standpoint. 
So I'm able to consult them and coach them and they, you know, they generate revenue. We get broker's fees and I do the same thing on the uh, student base for wholesaling. So that's kind of like my job now, right? All these, uh, these companies are running, but I come in from a consultant standpoint, not an, not an actual um, implementator. Do, do they do like traditional buyer and seller rep or are they mostly yeah. focused on their own deals? No, they do. They do all of it. I mean, they yeah. do. Heck, we do creative. I, I teach them how to do creative financing, how to uh, structure commercial deals, how to. I mean, there's a deal out there. We're going to find a way to structure it. <clears throat> so um, it's a good, um, well-rounded you know, approach to operate. Like, for example, right now we're working on a couple of different properties. Uh, Tempe, Arizona, where ASU is, it's, it's a high... Um, I mean, it, it's a highly desirable area. We just locked up a deal over there. It's 2.5. It's going to be a big, solid deal. And then we have another resort that we just locked up in, in south of Tucson. That's going to be a $9 million acquisition. So there's still, you know, there's a number, there's a number of things happening, right, that are outside the wheelhouse. However, uh, I mean, we're closing residential stuff. We're closing small multifamily on a regular basis. What? Um... <clears throat> What's what? What are your growth plans for the brokers? Do you want to keep it at you know similar size, or do you see it getting no getting this, bigger? This year it's gonna get bigger. Uh, okay. This year, yeah, we're we're actually gonna work on recruiting. Uh, I'm interviewing a couple of people already come in that actually take that on and 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 have an intentional approach on on the recruiting process. Why? Because we have the foundation uh, foundations lined up. So we have. Um, I like streamline. I like linear thinking. I like onboarding, um, have somebody come in at this point, they do this, 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 and that. And then they come out at that point with the check. Right. And that's how I wanted to get the brokerage uh, before I focused on any of the, the, uh, the growth. Because anytime you bring a new agent in, uh, you're going to have to coach, you're going to have to train. So it's going to be time consuming. Right. Um, the best way to get around that stuff, it's to have a good solid foundation of learning um, as they come in. So now we have, we do have a streamlined process where they come in, fill out the application. They go through the, uh, um, uh, pre-qualification process to see if we buy in the culture and make sense, jump in. They have a whole training program. They're going to go through, uh, with support and all that stuff, but it's not going to take out my personal time. So that's one of the things that I was really watching out for. Um, and that's, that's finally set up. So it's set up and we have, you know, broker uh, support calls on a weekly basis. And it really comes down to spending time, uh, where, where it matters as opposed to, uh, you know, spending, you know, two or three hours showing the tasky things. None of that is possible if you don't have SOPs in place. So the, I think the brokerage, the wholesaling business, the flip business, all great ways to, to make income, uh, the challenge with those is you know it's it could it's volatile it could go away and you have to you know you have to work at it right yeah uh, compared to deals you hold so are you doing are you doing anything to to you know earn regular monthly passive or semi-passive income from real estate yeah so um do a uh, buy and hold. Um, I sold some of my acquisitions. I'm pivoting and not, not really getting out of it, but right now I think it's a good opportunity for me to, to cash out on, on the equity that I had on, on some of those properties. And I'm uh, putting a lot of money into SaaS, software as a service. So I created an opera, I built an operating system, uh, which is software to manage my, in my wholesale fix and flip um, operation uh, that transfers over again to the real estate, traditional real estate side. So I built a software for that. We're in the process of finalizing the, um, the beta, um, 
uh, version of that. Uh, and that's recurring income. That's membership based. It's it's a little different than than a traditional buy and hold, right? Sure. Um, but that's the pivot that I'm coming into it now. Uh, one thing that I'm actively in the hunt for is is commercial properties. I want to buy and hold more on the commercial uh, side of things, office space, retail, executive offices, warehouse, that type of stuff. Awesome. Well, you have a lot of exciting stuff going on, so I'm sure if you put that thought out into the world, you will. Oh, yeah find a way to make it happen before we wrap up i always like to end with a hyper fast round if you're ready for some rapid fire questions and answers Let's do it all right what's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate investor uh think big think big whatever you're thinking think bigger <laughs> it's uh, the possibilities are endless once you start taking those actions uh, massive action moving forward um, and you don't have to know, you don't have to know the, uh, the, all the ins and outs, the, uh, the process is going to start to reveal itself to you as you take, you know, those, those step forward, uh, as you take those actions, but yeah, and think big. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's when it pulls you instead of you pushing, uh, towards the goal. What about a new real estate agent? What would you tell them? Oh, um, be uh, if, if you're going to look for mentoring or you're going to join a brokerage, make sure they have something to uh, uh, add of value to you. All right. You're not their employee. They are your employee. The broker works for you. Make sure they're supporting uh, with, you know, trainings. There's uh, they're available if you call, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then at the end of the day, this is going to be your own business, right? You can't put it all. Yeah, they work for you but you can't put it all on them. You have to go out there and actually prospect. You have to allocate your time, which is one of the most important things to, I think to do. Allocate your time throughout the day to generate new business, not just follow-ups or do tasky work where you're working on spreadsheets and figuring out your CRM and all that kind of, you know, your logo and all that stuff. None of that matters if you don't have any business, all right? So allocate your time um, to, and, and the ratio for us is 60-40. So 60% of the time, it's focused on generating new business whether that is, you know, reaching out to expire listings, it's, you know, going to meetups and, and reaching out to, to uh, new potential uh, uh, um, clients. And then the other 40% is following up on old relationships, referral business, and that sort of thing. So 60, 40, break it down like that um, and find a good supporting uh, brokerage. It's going to work for you. All right. What's the biggest challenge you've had in business and how did you overcome it? Ooh, funding. Uh, actually, too. I mean, no money, starting with no money. Mm -hmm. Um, I, that's, uh, it's a two part um, answer, but the first one was no money. I had no cash to start off when I launched the first business and I was 20, uh, 21 years old and that was a transportation business. Uh, but I put together, I mean, I spent a lot of time, uh, putting together the, uh, the ins and outs of what I was going to do, the whole action plan, uh, not necessarily a business plan, but it was an action plan of the things that I needed to check off to do and actually get to a pay, uh, place where I was going to be profitable. I got that. And then I got, I left, um, I squatted up. I, I went to somebody who actually had cash, uh, presented the whole idea. I became the workhorse. They became the money. And between the two, you know, com combining the two, uh, the, the two sides, I mean, we we're able to create a business. Um, so, um, Clarify your 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 process, all right? If you're aiming for something, uh, if you're aiming for a certain amount of revenue, what do you have to do? Reverse engineer your goal. What do you have to do to get to that point? If uh, you want to, I don't know, bring in $250,000 next year in, in commissions. Okay, what's the average um, amount 
uh, of commissions in your, you know, for your area. Okay. I don't know. Say it's $10,000. Okay, cool. How many homes do you need to sell or, you know, transactions do you need to have in order to get to that point? Okay. Well, it's 25. All right. So if it's 25, how many do, how many do I need a month? Right? I need 2.3, you know, transactions a month to get to that 25. All right, cool. What do I need to do to get 2.3 deals a month? Uh, and what does my marketing need to look like? Who do I need to reach out in my immediate sphere? And then start tracking that, but reverse engineer your goal. Uh, it's it's you can't um, you can't do it if you don't have if you're if you don't have a target you're gonna hit you know nothing right or everything whatever you want to call it but you gotta have something that you aim for and and it's that can be a hard concept as you're getting started as you're getting you know really going with things because there's a lot of stuff going on um, and the second part of that I mean it was really the belief part the the mindset um, I I am I am worthy of this this is something that I can do I can come in and crush it. Uh, that to me was a big, big battle. All right. Uh, what would we most likely find you doing when you're not working on your business? Um, coming up with new shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I'm a very, very curious person. Uh, yeah, I have hobbies. I go to the gym. I, I, I like to, you know, um, you know roll in jujitsu. I mean, I do all kinds of stuff, but, but at the end of the day, my playground is really what I do. I love coaching. I love helping people out. I love, um, breaking, um, paradigms, uh, because I come from a paradigm background. I, I come from a space where $30,000 used to be the, the, the achievers, um, track, you know what I mean? And, and as you get out of that small town vibe, as you get out of that, you know, that limited uh, believe, um, uh, things become brighter, things become realistic, opportunities start to pop up left and right. And I think that's a beautiful world to live in. So um, if you don't find me working, actually working one of the businesses, you're going to find me coaching somebody else, you're going to find me uh, helping and empowering entrepreneurship, which is what I do. That's my purpose. All right. Last question. What are you most excited about in 2022? Um, honestly, the, uh, the professional growth that, that I think we're, we're coming across, we're at a uh, transition right now. Um, as your business evolves, you have different levels, right? And, and each one of those levels or in between those levels, there's transitions. The one that we're about uh, to come across is going to bring us to a level five business. And, and the transition just happened to line up um, to the beginning of the year. So the beginning of the year, beginning mid-January, probably, it's going to be, I mean, we're, we're going to be looking at a couple of uh, uh, bigger acquisitions, uh, reallocating those, uh, those uh, some of those resources and then placing them into the other companies. And I love growing as a team. So I think um, I'm, it's one of the things that I'm the most excited about. Yeah. And the fact that I don't have to, uh, sacrifice any of my like uh, any of my personal lifestyle to get to that to that space. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. Uh, we certainly wish you well on that journey, making that happen. Uh, before we wrap up, if people want to learn or, or connect with you, uh, how should they do it? And, and then maybe you can put the link for that that uh, PDF that you, you have available for our listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pretty active in social media. Uh, my Instagram is uh, Rafael Cortez, CEO. That's R-A-F-A-E-L-C-O-R-T-E-Z, uh, CEO. Uh, and you can find me there on, on YouTube. I have a lot of content out on YouTube, strategies on, on uh, mindset, on entrepreneurship, on wholesaling and real estate investments. Uh, it's all free content. It's all out there. And then if you want that download, uh, the website to go to is reiwholesaling.com. 
Um, yeah, but you can find me anywhere under Rafael Cortez CEO. Awesome. We'll go to reiwholesaling.com. Check out that guide. Connect with Rafael on social media. Thank you once again. This has been amazing. It's it's just been cool to see what you've been able to do uh, across so many parts in the real estate industry and the ecosystem you've built and then sharing that, the systemization, the, how to optimize it with our listeners. So thank you for that. To all of our listeners and viewers out there, thank you for listening or watching. If you're on YouTube, please do me a favor and share this with someone that you think could benefit from hearing or watching it as well. And leave us some comments, give us some feedback, let us know what you liked and didn't like. We will see you next time.